What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it's Mark. And I'm Charity. And welcome to the Case Watch Podcast. Case Watch deals with content meant for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case Watch. Confirming the body found in Grand Teton National Park is Gabby Petito, and she was killed. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder. Late today, Chris Watts was officially charged with the murders of his wife and his two young girls. Remember these words. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. All right, guys, we're back for another episode. Charity. How has your week been? My week's been good, Mark. How about yourself? Not too bad. The holidays are long behind us now. Thank God. Black Friday's over. Thanksgiving is over. I mean, I had beans and hot dogs. I don't know about you. Mark, I brought you a plate. You did. It was wonderful. So unfortunately, Kristen was in New York having Thanksgiving with her family and I was stuck working. So yes, but you know what would make me a lot happier? I think I might. Triple D, baby. Got some coming right now. Here's our first. Excellent. After a night of drinking, two Arkansas men decided to test the durability of a bulletproof vest by shooting each other. (laughs) (laughs) Rogers residents, Charles Eugene Ferris, 50, and Christopher Hicks, 36, ended up in the hospital where they told investigators they were shot after they were hired for a secret mission that involved someone through Hobbs State Park, according to the Benton County Sheriff's Office. But when Ferris's wife showed up at the hospital, she had a different story to tell. The men had been drinking on Ferris's back porch when he asked Hicks to shoot him. I can picture this. Oh, I, I've been to parties that this could have happened at. <laughs> Although the vest stopped the bullet, it still left a painful mark on Ferris's chest. That upset Ferris. So when Hicks put on the vest, Ferris unloaded the clip into Christopher's back, according to an affidavit. Both men were arrested and charged with felony aggravated assault. Before releasing them on a $5,000 bond, a judge issued a no-contact order between the men. And they each face up to six years in prison and a maximum of a $10,000 fine. You, sirs, are definitely should have been charged with being douchebags. 
You guys are playful douchebags, but you you I take mean, the cake. Oh my god! Shoot me. That hurt. Yeah, that hurt. Now I'm mad. I asked you to shoot me, but I'm pissed. Oh, I love it. It's, How could the world operate without people like this? I wonder if they were told they weren't allowed to drink either. <laughs> oh, I bet they were. I wonder, because that kind of contributed, I believe. Yeah, think charity? Yeah. I have another one. This one's kind of like scary and triple D at the same time. Oh, now you have me intrigued. Charity, go ahead. A Houston man was attacked by two women who ran him over with their car after arranging to sell them a pair of tickets to the December 19th Jay-Z concert at the Houston Toyota Center. He listed the tickets on Craigslist and the women he'd been in contact with arranged for him to meet them at the car to complete the transaction. Once he got there, they allegedly grabbed the tickets out of his hand and sped off. Court documents state that Denitra Sherrill drove off with a man still holding on to the vehicle. According to court documents, the man's hand fell from the speeding car when it was being kicked off by one of the women, suffering a broken leg, left arm, right hand, torn right knee, and severe road rash. Witnesses were able to write down the license plate number of the vehicle. The victim was transported to Memorial Hermann Hospital for his injuries. The plan to steal Jay-Z concert tickets in broad daylight in front of a bunch of witnesses while personally identifying information like a license plate is in full public view is not exactly foolproof. How did they find these women, Mark? I don't know. Well, all they had to do was go to the seats of the tickets that they stole. Well, these ladies have 99 problems, but brains, they're not one of them. What do you think they are? They're douchebags. Yeah, I 100%. agree. 100%. I agree. Here's another mark. Good. I need one more to finish this off. Carmen Chambly, 19, faces second-degree arson charges after police in Clearwater say she torched a white car on August 28th, according to the Tampa Bay Times. She told police she thought the car was her former boyfriend's. Instead, it belonged to Thomas Jennings, who told WFTS his roommate woke him up that morning to let him know his vehicle was on fire. He checked the surveillance camera footage around his home and saw a woman headed over to his sedan and lighting the trunk on fire, even fanning the flames, you know, to make it burn faster. Pena County in Mate records show she is now awaiting trial and being held on $10,000 bail. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. I mean, total dimwit. And that, but Mark, in her defense, if there is one, you should never just light a car on fire unless you are positive. Well, you just shouldn't do whatever. Let's just say that. I mean, Charity, you're, you're making up excuses for this. Well, listen. Don't set cars on fire. I mean, I wonder what he did, though. Don't you want to know what enraged her so much? Uh, she lit his car on fire, so no, I don't need to know anymore to know that, that she is pissed. crazy. Well, crazy and pissed off. All right, guys, do you have a special case of Triple D you want us to read on the show? Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Case Watch Podcast, Twitter, Case Watch Pod, or you can go ahead and just send us an email, info at casewatchpodcast.com. Before we get into the case today, I just want to let you guys know you can visit our website for links to all of our merch, stickers, plus you can join the exclusive Crime Creep Club by clicking the Buy Us a Coffee tab on casewatchpodcast.com. All right, Charity, what do you have for us today? Mark, we're going to be talking about Dorothea Puente. Okay. Some of the names she's been called are Death House Landlady, the Black Widow of Sacramento, and the Grandma Serial Killer. All right, so when you had first said Dorothea... Yeah, what'd you think? All right. I like those names better than her other nicknames. But honestly, <laughs> I the first thing I thought was like a sweet old lady or maybe even the Golden Girls. I know Dorothy, Dorothea, it's different, yeah. but that's where my mind goes. Um, definitely not a killer. So usually I'd be calling her by her last name since she is a douche hag. But Dorothea is just so cute that okay. I'm going to keep it in because this I'm not going to stop you because this story is not cute. Dorothea was born Dorothea Helen Gray in Redlands, California on January 9th, 1929. There would be seven children 
in total, Dorothea was the second youngest child. Her father, Jesse James Gray, was a cotton picker, and her mother, Trudy May Gray, was said to be a prostitute. Okay. And what a cute name, Trudy Mae Gray. All right, so I'm starting to get a mental picture of how her parents were growing up. Yep, both of these parents were alcoholics, Mark. Okay, adding to the picture. They were abusive to their children and extremely neglectful. At a very young age, Dorothea was left to her own devices to find food so she wouldn't starve. I actually read that her father tried to commit suicide in front of her. He would actually die of tuberculosis when she was eight years old, and two years later, her mother would die in a car accident. She would now be left as an orphan, along with her six other siblings. All the children were separated. Dorothea was sent to an orphanage first and then later sent to live with some relatives that also lived in California. I did read that she may have been molested while in the orphanage, which is not a good thing. No, not at all. At the young age of 16, Dorothea would venture out into the world. It would be 1945, and she would get married for the first time to a man named Fred McFall. He had just come home from serving in World War II. She would have two daughters with Fred within two years. Clearly not wanting to be a mother, she would send one of her daughters to live with a family member and put her other daughter up for adoption. Like, why would you even have them? Yeah, right? Like, oh, bye. That irritates me. Oh, just wait. This was probably the best for these girls. (laughs) Like, Thinking back after I already know the story. She got pregnant one more time before Fred would leave her in 1948. I mean, we already gave up two. Let's have another. Yeah. Don't worry. She suffered a miscarriage. Okay. Normally a miscarriage would be a horrible thing to happen, but maybe this was a sign from the universe. That's just my thoughts. The universe was like, dude, you should not be having any children at all in your care. After this marriage ended, Dorothea would begin getting into crime. So here's where it starts. Okay. She started forging checks and clearly wasn't very good at it because she was caught quickly, arrested, and sentenced to a year in jail. She would only serve six months before she was back out doing her thing. Doing her thing. Doing her thing. In 1952, our girl would get herself knocked up by a man she hardly knew. This baby would be another daughter Dorothea would put up for adoption. Thank goodness. All right, so where are we in the 19... 19- I mean, you know how you get pregnant. Yep. I don't understand. Like, why do you keep actually getting pregnant? It's bizarre to me. It really is. And then you're giving them up for adoption. Yeah. That must like screw. I don't, I don't know. Whatever. At least for now, it seemed like she knew she shouldn't be a mother. So at least she knew, dude, I'm a bad egg kind of. And I, there's, I have no place in the world being a mother. Yeah. That's you know? one good thing about this. The baby daddy was Alex Johnson. I don't think they were called baby daddies in the fifties though. I charityized this. Okay. That's now a word guys. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Charityized. The baby daddy was Alex Johnson, and the two would get married in 1952. They would stay married for 14 years. This was shocking because it was known that this was an extremely, I mean, extremely stormy union. Okay. So it was known all around. People were kind of like, why are they still married? Let's move along now, shall we? Absolutely. We're now in the 1960s. Dorothea decided to try and make it as a businesswoman. She would own and manage a brothel. You know, an honest Honest thing. Honest That's living. not where I thought you were going to go really? with when you said she became a businesswoman. Well, this is what she did. Since this was illegal activity, she was arrested by authorities and sent to jail for 90 days. But She's not a good criminal so far. Nope. But don't worry, guys. This quick little jail sentence wouldn't slow her down too much. She would be arrested again shortly after for vagrancy. What is vagrancy? Oh, I looked it up. So let me give you some examples of it. So, All right, because so, I don't know. I've heard yes. it and I just don't know. Yeah. Some examples of this are prostitution professional gambling, purposeful unemployment, and being homeless. Hmm. So I don't know if she did one or all, but it was enough to get her butt thrown into jail. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. She would again get to spend another 90-day stint in jail. You would think they would look at her history, seeing that she goes right back at it, and maybe toughen her sentence. I don't know. I mean, if you have a sheet that long, they're just sticking you in there for a short little bit, and you get right back out, and you're like, sweet. You, you would think, but gosh, I don't know. Yeah. Golly gee willikers. <gasps> Since this is the 50s, I should use my responses like they were back in the day. Golly gee willikers. Charity, you don't know what the court system was like back then. Gosh darn it, Mark. I don't. <sighs> I'm not sure of what kind of background checks they did back then, but they should have looked deeper. I don't even think they could do background checks back then because like the NCIC and stuff like that didn't start until years later. Maybe. Who knows, though? Maybe she gave her employers sob stories about getting her life on track, etc. She would begin working as a nurse's aide. Moving up that ladder. A nurse's aid. Yeah, this is going to scare me. This is, yeah, it gets a little scary. Her job was to go into the private homes of elderly people or people that were disabled, many being from the military. She would help care for these people as they needed help with everyday tasks. Over time, her job would expand and she would find herself managing different boarding houses. Hmm. So she's managing not one, but a few different ones. So Mark, finally in 1966, after a 14 year long marriage of what sounds like convenience because the two clearly didn't like each other, Dorothea and Alex would divorce. Almost immediately after divorcing her second husband, she found another. This gal just doesn't want to be alone. Sounds a little bit like Catherine Knight, doesn't it? It does. I hope it doesn't end the same way. I don't think anything can end that way. That lady was a freak. (laughs) This new man was Roberto Puente. Okay. And was 19 years younger than her. Ooh, yeah. Cougar. She got her cougar on, guys. This is clearly how she got the last name everyone knows her by. This would be another short-lived marriage, ending only after two years. As a single independent woman, Dorothea would now move forward in her next career move. She would take over a 16-room, three-story person care home. The location of this home would be known as 2100 F Street in Sacramento. In an attempt, I guess, for one more chance at love, she would marry a man named Pedro Montalvo in 1976. What's the husband count up to now? What is it? Four? I think it's four. Three strikes and you're out. Come on. No, not. No, she doesn't have a problem with commitment, Mark. No, it's the staying committed part she has a problem with. That's true. This marriage only lasted a few months. 
So it's getting shorter and shorter. Yeah. <laughs> While alone, Dorothea would search different bars for elderly men receiving benefits and was able to forge their signatures and steal their money. What a douchehag, like I said earlier. Yeah, I agree. She was, of course, caught, Mark, because as we've already seen, she's not that great of a criminal. I, I'm starting to feel like we have a full episode of a single triple D here. Oh, my God. Charity, even when you're not trying to give me triple D, you sneak one in anyways. They're like magnets for me, Mark. They really are. <laughs> even with her history. History, she was only given probation. Really? They have to have some sort of way of tracking history. I mean, at this point, even if it's not in the same town, like they should have been able to figure something out. I mean, obviously it's probably all paperwork, but somebody has to be keeping track of it, right? I don't you know. You think. She had 34 counts of treasury fraud and she only got probation. Come on, Al really? Along with the long history she has with fraud. 34 counts of treasury fraud. She defrauded all of these elderly people out of a ton of money. Yep. And she just got probation, Mark. This system is effed up even back then. Yeah, she was slipping through it. Like many we've read, they just slip right through the system. Yep. Shocks me every time and I don't know why. Her next step would be to move into a house just down the street. This would be the house where the killings would take place. Oh boy. 1426 F Street, located near downtown Sacramento. This would be her very own boarding house, Mark. Not good. No, not at all. Not good. Not good at all. The tenants at the boarding house would have mixed reviews of how Dorothea did her job. Many people complained that she was very snippy, and they also said that she wasn't giving them the mail or their disability checks. Shocker. Other tenants praised her for going, quote unquote, above and beyond acts like making them home cooked meals. What a sweet lady. Well, Charity, I kind of get it because the weight of my heart is a nice home cooked meal. So that does go a long way. So, Mark, if I want to steal money from you, I just got to make you a home cooked meal. That's pretty easy. Yeah, well, I have to have money for you to steal first. Oh, that's true. Let's move forward, shall we? We shall. In 1982, Dorothea would even so kindly invite a 61-year-old old friend to live with her in her apartment. Shortly after that, Ruth Monroe moved in. She would die by taking too much codeine in acetaminophen. Dorothea was quick to tell the police that Ruth had been super sad about her husband's terminal illness, so she must have committed suicide. Unfortunately, the police believed her. Even though no one knows for sure if she killed Ruth, many believe she did. And this would be the start of her reign of terror. Oh boy, I can't wait to see where this goes. Only a short time after this supposed suicide in Dorothea's apartment, police were called to the 16-room home that she was in charge of down the street. Remember that one, Mark? Yes. Well, a 74-year-old tenant named Malcolm McKenzie would accuse her of stealing from him after being drugged by her. By the way, Malcolm would be one of four elderly people that would accuse this douchehag, again, sorry, I had to say it, of stealing from them. She sounds like a winner. Well, she needed some money, Mark, I guess. I don't know why, but she just found it easier to take it from the elderly. Luckily, this time they had enough evidence to convict her and on August 18th, 1982 she would be sentenced to five years in jail. Finally, some sort of real time. Some sort of real Still time. Still not enough, but at least it's not, you know, weeks or months this time. Exactly. She was a little lonely while serving her time, so she decided to get a pen pal. Oh boy. His name was Everson Gilmuth. How cute of a name is that? Everson. I do love the old timey names. I do too. This retired 77 year old was living in Oregon at the time and couldn't have been more smitten with his new love that he had yet to meet. Dorothea was released after only serving three years. Who was there to pick her up at the jail in his red 1980 Ford pickup? Yep. 
Everson, and the two were overjoyed to finally embrace. They would live together in Dorothea's apartment blissfully with the hopes to soon be married. It is now November of 1985 and Dorothea wanted some work done in her apartment. She would hire Ismal Flores to install some wood paneling and asked him, you know, on the side to build a three by two foot box to store books and other items in. I don't think that's what she's storing. Oh, just wait. He would be paid $800 for his job along with, wait for it, a red 1980 red Ford pickup truck. Wait, wasn't that her boyfriend's truck? I mean, I don't know if it was, but it sounds like it could be the exact same one, right? Well, you would think he would still need it. He just got it. Yeah, he was excited to pick her up and in a jail. Huh. Later, Ismail would be asked to move the now nailed shut box. He said yes, and off the two went. While driving, Dorothea would ask the nice handyman to pull over. While on Garden Highway in Sutter County, he would then be asked to throw the box of quote unquote junk onto the riverbank. He did as she asked because after all, he got paid the money in a nice truck for the job and the box was just filled with junk. She's a trustworthy gal. All right. I'm sorry, but this guy is either stupid or he's a liar. I just think he didn't want to know. That's my opinion. Opinion. Your opinion? Yeah. Yeah. But come on guys. You can't be that inept. I would think not. And especially like if the box was like really heavy, <laughs> wouldn't you right? ask why is it nailed shut and why are we disposing of it? Why is this blood leaking out of it? Oh, I hope not. So on January 1st, 1986, a fisherman was just out doing his thing when he came across this box of, you know, junk. Yeah, the junk box. Yeah. He immediately found this strange box to be suspicious. So he notified the police right away. The box was retrieved and the badly decomposed, non-recognizable body of an elderly man was inside of it. It would actually take three years, Mark, for law enforcement to confirm it was the body of Everson Gilmuth. You know, the love of her life. Wow, that's sad. Mm-hmm. It really is. This See You Next Tuesday would continue to collect Everson's pension and would write to his family frequently, telling them that he was too ill to correspond. During this time, Dorothea would continue her room and board business at her own home and would take in 40 more tenants. She was even popular with many of the local social workers because she would take in anyone. Abusive residents, people with bad addiction problems. She'd take them all, Mark, and I think she probably preferred these types because maybe they were, you know, intoxicated or weren't really aware of what was going on. Easier to pull the wool over the eyes. Yeah. I mean, that's how it looks. All of these tenants' mail was collected by Dorothea first. They would receive a small amount of their own money, you know, for expenses. Everything else would go right into her pocket. Someone must have reported her to the police because she got a visit from her parole agents. And Mark, part of her parole agreement was that she was to stay away from the elderly and she was not supposed to touch any form of government checks. Huh. I wonder if she's going to listen. I guess they asked some questions and were happy with her answers because nothing was done at this time. How does this woman keep getting away with doing this stuff with no consequences? No wonder why she's elevated what she's doing from time after time, because she knows when she does get caught, her consequences are little to nothing. I partly think it's the look she's got going on. We'll show pictures. Oh, I'm excited. I'll have to check yeah. out what she looks like after. She does not look like a murderer. Let's just say that. Okay. Yeah. Dorothea would take in a homeless alcoholic man and make him her handyman. Everyone would call him Chief. Neighbors would start to get a little suspicious, though, when they saw some of the tasks Dorothea had him doing. He began digging in the basement and lugging in soil and trash. Later, she would have him take down the garage that was in the backyard and replace it with a concrete slab. This was Chief's last task before he would simply disappear. Very interesting. Very interesting. I wonder if he dug his own grave. I hope not. I don't know. Finally, someone saw something and said something, Mark. 
which is what we always say on this show. See something, say something. Yep. A social worker would report a man missing. This man would be Alberto Montoyo. He was a disabled man with schizophrenia. This would be November 11th, 1988. When the police would arrive to the home, the first thing they noticed was an area with some like disturbed soil mark. Never Looked a like, good sign. Never a good sign. This is where they would find the body of Leona Carpenter. She was 78 years old at the time of her death and was one of Dorothea's tenants. There were seven bodies found on the property in total. The investigation would begin, and at first, Dorothea wasn't even considered a suspect. I'm telling you, it's her look. It's this her is look. crazy. People were probably like, there's no way that this woman did any of this. And I bet she like could talk her way out of anything. That was just my opinion after reading this. The investigators would allow her to leave the property while the investigation was going on. So like she could come and go because she wasn't even a suspect. So do you know what she did? No. Well, she was tired, Mark. So she really needed a coffee. She was allowed to leave to go get herself a coffee. And this would prove to be a huge lapse in judgment as she would quickly flee to Los Angeles. And of course, befriend an elderly man at a bar who she made sure had a nice pension. I can see her now. Hey, sir. Is that a pension in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> I think it was almost as obvious as that from the sounds of it. Like she would pinpoint these guys. She had uh, radar, that's for sure. I don't know. Thank goodness. So the man had seen her face all over the news and called police right away. And Dorothea was arrested at the age of 60. Can you imagine how relieved he probably was after all the details would later come out? Oh my God, this guy escaped the... Uh Black Widow, basically. Oh my God. He was probably like, I was just enjoying a beer and thank God I noticed who she was because I could be dead. All right. So now you just said at the age of 60, now I got to really rearrange how I'm thinking about this because 20 years ago, 60 was, 60 old. was old. Yeah. Let me send you a picture. Now 60 is not that old. Oh my God. All right. So the picture she just sent me, she looks 90. I know. She looks Holy like a, crap. She looks like a sweet grandma. She does. Yeah. I want her to bake me cookies. I don't think you want her to do that, Mark. No, probably not. <laughs> Dorothea's trial would be moved to Monterey County, California. This was at her attorney's request. I guess maybe they didn't think she would receive a fair, unbiased trial. Well, probably not. Moved. She's buried half the friggin' town in her backyard. I know. Are they even going to get enough people in this town to be able to get a jury together when she's off half of them? I don't know. She's collected more money for these people than they did. Seriously. That's nuts, man. I know. She had two attorneys that would represent her, and the prosecutor was John O'Mara. He was the homicide supervisor in the Sacramento County District Attorney's Office. Looks like they brought in the big guns. So finally, they're like, all right, we're going to stop her. I mean, she's killed a bunch of people now, so thank God they finally did something, right? Exactly. Dorothea was charged with nine murder counts. The prosecution would explain to the jury how she would drug her victims with sleeping pills, wait for them to pass out, and then suffocate them. The jury was also informed that she would hire convicts and pay them to dig up her yard. There was a total of 130 witnesses called to testify against her by the prosecution. The actual trial went on for a year. Apparently, there was lots of information about her crimes that needed to be heard. The defense tried their hardest to have their witnesses talk about a softer side to Dorothea and even a caring side. They had even mental health experts talk about her childhood and how she was neglected and forgotten about, telling the jury that this was why she was called to help these tenants. I don't think help was the correct word. Yeah, help is definitely not the correct word. And who did they bring in? The people she hadn't killed yet? Was she like, oh, my pension wasn't big enough, so she was very, very looking forward with helping me out. But thank God I didn't have a lot of money left over because I'm still alive. She was so nice to me. Yeah, right? Come on. 
The witnesses all agreed that she had an evil side, but said it was probably brought on by all the stresses of caring for all of these people, Mark. I know. I feel so bad for her. Poor old Dorothea. So stressed out because she was murdering people and stealing their money. I feel bad for you for stressing. I do too. Here's what Omara, the prosecution, had to say in his closing argument. Quote, does anyone become responsible for their conduct in this world? These people were human beings. They had a right to live. They did not have a lot of possessions, no houses, no cars, only their social security checks and their lives. She took it all. Death is the only appropriate penalty, unquote. Because she was up for the death penalty. Good. She deserved to be. She was. So, um, and here is what the defense said during their closing argument. Wow, I can't wait to see what kind of web they spin here. This is really long. That's what she said. (laughs) You had to. I had to. You could not even help yourself. No, I had to. Mark, let me read my quote. Okay. Quote, we are here today to determine one thing. What is the value of Dorothea Puente's life? You have heard of the despair, which was the foundation of her life, the anger and resentment. If anyone in the jury room tells you it was not that bad, ask them, would you want that to happen to yourself? Would you want that happen to your children? I am led to believe that if there is any reason for us to be living here on this earth, it is somehow to enhance one another's humanity, to love, to touch each other with kindness, to know that you have made just one person breathe easier because you have lived. I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that is why these people have come to testify for Dorothea. I think you can only truly understand why so many people testified and asked you to spare Dorothea's life only if you have ever fallen down and stumbled on the road of life and had someone pick you up, give you comfort, give you love, show you the way. Then you would understand why these people believe Dorothea's life is worth saving. This is mitigating. This is a human quality that deserves to be preserved. It is a flame of humanity that has burned inside Dorothea since she was young. That is the reason to give Dorothea Puente life without the possibility of parole, end quote. What do you think of all that, Mark? Yeah, they make her the victim in this. Of course they do. Uh, what about all the other people's lives that she ended? Did their lives not matter? What about the people that she wasn't caring for? She was hurting. Yeah, none of that matters to them, though. Nope. But this lady, wait a minute, I got to bring it back, Charity. This wank Yeah. Thinks that her life is more valuable than anybody else's. And Mark, you just said hammer. Hammer. Love it. I tell you what, Massachusetts is rubbing off on me, Charity. Hey, it happens, Mark. Dorothea was convicted for three of the murders. Are you serious? Only three? That's what it says. This is absolutely crazy to me. I don't understand how the judicial system actually works sometimes. I really don't. Nope. So apparently the jury couldn't agree on the other six. They deliberated for a few days and came back deadlocked at seven jurors to five for life without the possibility of parole. You know what I think we could have done? You could have told that jury, all right, guys, we're going to take Dorothea, put her back in her house with you guys as her residence until you decide whether or whether or not she's guilty and how fast they would have came back with a guilty verdict. That's just my two cents. I don't know about you, Charity. I love it. I think it's great. It's almost kind of like an eye for an eye, but not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This left Judge Michael J. Verga no choice than to declare a mistrial. There's another Michael J. Yes, there is, Mark. Well, in my eyes, there's only one, and it's Fox. I agree. I love him. This was also in part because when asked if further deliberation would change their minds, the jurors said no. Therefore, per the law, Dorothea's sentence would be life without the possibility of parole. She would spend the rest of her life serving her sentence at Central California Women's Facility in Chowchilla, California. She would never admit to killing any of her tenants. She would continue to insist that they all died of natural causes. This still doesn't explain why they were buried on her lawn or shoved in a box. Yeah. I mean, if they were all natural causes, all she would have had to do was call the authorities and report it. Simple as that. They were elderly people, most of them. I mean, I'm assuming they had people that cared. Maybe they would want to go to a funeral. You would think so. 
I don't know. Different times, though. I guess so. Dorothea died in prison at the age of 82 from natural causes on March 27, 2011. Oh, sorry, Dorothea. Oh. Everson Gilmuth, 77. The boyfriend, you remember him? I do, yep. Ruth Monroe, 61. She was the friend that she took in. Leona Carpenter, 78. Bert Gonzalez Montoya. Bert. Oh, he was only 51, guys. Dorothy Miller, 64. Benjamin Fink, 55. James Gallup, 62. Vera Faye Martin, 64. And Betty Palmer, 78. So she killed a Dorothy and a Betty. Yeah. We almost had all four of the Golden Girls. That's sad because I love them. I do too. I love that show. I will watch that show until they stop airing it on TV. I love it. These poor victims, though, they put their trust in her. She betrayed them. That's the ultimate, absolutely worst thing someone can do, where you actually think someone's going to go out of their way to help you, but they're actually taking advantage of you. I can't even think of something that's worse than that in this world, where you put your trust in somebody and they do that. I know. Me too. Unbelievable. Mark, John Cabrera, one of the original detectives, told CBS 13, she had the perfect crime going on here in this house and nobody knew about it. It was right under the nose of everybody. Yeah, it's like a house of horror. Yeah, it really is. I have kind of a little bit of a hard time with a little bit of this comment that she had the perfect crime that nobody knew about because she had so many crimes leading up to these crimes that everybody should have known about. Yeah, if somebody had not dropped the ball years previous and actually pursued some real charges on this lady, a lot of these people would have lived to their natural extents of their life. It's really kind of sad that the ball was dropped this way. And the ball continued to be dropped, it seemed. It wasn't just like one dropped ball. No, it was almost like a set of dominoes that somebody hit it and it just kept going until the untimely death of all these people. Right. Until she did something so unspeakable that people were forced to notice. It's very, very sad, Charity. Good case, though. Good, good case for you to find for us. Yeah, I try, Mark. Well, I know I personally appreciate each and every case you bring to us. Guys, go ahead and follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Case Watch Podcast, Twitter, Case Watch Pod. Do not be afraid to reach out to us. We love talking to our crime creeps. And just a quick reminder, if you go and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, snap a screenshot of it, send it on into us at info at casewatchpodcast.com. You will be entered in to win a shirt of your choosing. And we'll see you on the next one. Bye, guys. See ya. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.